Welcome to Sports Bites, bite-sized podcast serving up the perfect blend of sports and food. I'm your host, Chris Joseph, and in each episode, I'll look to tackle the latest sports buzz while including the tastiest bites. Now, in this episode, I'm going to break down the weekend that was in college football. We're going to take another tour to see what stadiums are serving to eat from the stadiumreviews.com. And I'll go over my give them a six or six picks and how terrible did I do. But we're going to get the day started just like on Saturday. The day started with number 23, Kansas State, visiting Austin to take on the number seven Longhorns. It was really a tale of two halves as the Longhorns raced out to a 17 to nothing lead, 17 7 at half. The lead grew to 27 to 7 in the fourth, 27 to 7. That's right, in the fourth quarter. KSU scored right before the end of the third quarter. And within 12 minutes left of the fourth quarter, the Wildcats had come back to tie the game on Will Howard's 32 yard pass to Jace Brown. And it was a great play. You know, you know oh, no really help over the top, find the seam route. It was great. Uh, well done. Good throw. Avery Johnson, there's people concerned about whether he was going to be able to run the ball against the Longhorn defense. Avery Johnson played no role in this game, really. Uh, the second half was all Will Howard. You know, Will Howard just continued to find a way to lead his team. Howard ended the day with four touchdowns, one interception, while Malik Murphy struggled in his second start. You know, Murphy was 19 of 37, 248 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, and even Jonathan Brooks had a fumble, you know. But both Brooks and C.J. Baxter had big digs. Baxter you know, showed some incredible speed on a fourth down play, a little toss. Next thing you know, he was he was booking it. Booking it. Baxter scored on that fourth down play. Full Kansas State. Flash of speed. Raced in for that easy touchdown. And I feel bad for the Kansas State kicker. Missed the go-ahead kick late in the game, but made a 45-yarder to tie it. And the game goes into overtime. Texas could really do nothing with it, so they send in old Sideshow Bob. That's what he looks like to me. Burt Auburn looks like Sideshow Bob. But he nails the field goal. 42-yarder puts Texas in the lead, 33-30. Kansas State took over. On the first play, Howard hit Ben Sinnott for 19 yards down to the Texas 6th. I'm like, okay, wow, they're in business. Kansas State might pull this off. Howard then runs the ball to the 4. So now you're on third down. He airmails that one. So now comes the fourth down play. Will Howard backs up into the shotgun. Empty backfield. Howard looking. Howard scrambles. Howard lets it go. Incomplete. And Texas survives. Oh, Gus Johnson on the call. Texas survives. And right now, that's what you got to do. You win ball games, especially when your number one quarterback is out. Texas D-line really put the pressure on Will Howard. Down. And, and Texas has some dudes, man. Devondre Sweat. I love that big guy. That guy is a player. Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, Jonathan Brooks. And, and don't, don't forget, Baxter, he, he's right there. So when Jonathan Brooks is gone, Baxter's stepping right back in. Now, I'll admit, I was surprised not to see Arch Manning. And the reason why is, you know, on the two interceptions Malik had, there was a couple more that should have been easy interceptions. But Kansas State dropped them. And maybe it's just, you know, knowing that the game was on him. Still surprised no Arch Manning. How long is Texas going to be without Ewers? I don't I don't know. Texas wins 33-30. Up next for the Longhorns, they take on the Horn Frogs in Fort Worth. You know, and TCU having a struggle year. The next game, 
Started at 2.30. It's the same time as the battle game, so I recorded watching it. Number two, Georgia hosting. Number 12, Missouri. And I've already said, I'm not a fan of Eli Drinkwitz. I just think the guy's kind of a, a, a scoob, if you ask me. But for the second year in a row, the Tigers were game, but couldn't make plays to put away the two-time defending champion. Missouri had to lead 13 to 10 late in the second half before the Dogs rattled off two consecutive touchdowns with Kendall Milton scoring on a 15-yard run that Carson Beck found Oscar Delp for a five-yard touchdown. Now, Missouri cut the lead to 24-21 with 12 minutes left in the game, but after Cody Schrader, who again had another really good game against a ranked opponent, 12-yard run that Brady Cook found Luther Burden for the two-point conversion. Freshman kicker for Georgia, Peyton Woodring, made three field goals on the day, and the final one made it 30-21, and that would be the final. Missouri got close, but a huge play by the Georgia defensive line. But Missouri's making that really difficult. Right at midfield, eight minutes left, ball game. Miller in motion. Cook rolls right. Oh, he threw it away, and it's picked off. It's that Stackhouse to the 20. Stackhouse down to the five, Georgia. Flag is down. Nazir Stackhouse. Big Nazir Stackhouse makes a great play. Lad McConkey, the wide receiver, calling it the player of the year for the dogs, right? Georgia has Ole Miss next. Now, you heard him say flag on the play. I mean, he Nazir Stackhouse took it to in the five, but they called an illegal crackback block. I didn't really see it, but Georgia now has Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Georgia Tech left on the schedule, and it appears that they're in line for another SEC title. Uh, East title, it is, and a spot in the SEC championship game. Carson Beck, again, no Brock Bowers, threw for 254 yards, two touchdowns. The one Edwards led the way with 77 yards on the ground. Brady Cook had troubles, and, you know, two late interceptions really skew that game. But he, he wasn't really tearing it up like he had been all year. Cody Schrader, I mentioned another 100-yard game against a ranked opponent, and Theo Weiss and Luther Burden were really bottled up as Mizzou only completed 14 passes. 14. Eight of them combined were Theo Weiss and Luther Burden. Georgia seems to be finding its groove. The D is starting to come around. Next up for the Dogs, they host Ole Miss, the final home game of the season for the Georgia Bulldogs. (sighs) All right. It was the final bedlam. Thank God. Number 22, Oklahoma State had Boone Pickens rocking. I mean, their fans were there. Loyal and true, that bright orange. And they left with the Bedlam victory for, you know, the final Bedlam victory for a long time, 27-24. And again, I have to call into question the team and the coaching staff as to what the team is doing differently since the Texas win. Most teams, you have a victory like that, and you think it's going to propel. But Oklahoma has now regressed since that Texas win, week after week after week. Back-to-back games with three turnovers. Critical drive with multiple 15-yard penalties. BV even got one. Brent Venables got one on him. And now, I'll take absolutely nothing away from Oklahoma State. They made the plays they needed, okay? Ollie Gordon is the real deal. The game plan for Alan Bowman, it was was like death by a thousand slants. But Alan Bowman played well. I'll give it to him. There was multiple times during the second half that Oklahoma could have made the game a two-score game. But again, strange calls that took Oklahoma out of rhythm. What was working by Jeff Levy continues to put the team in bad spots. There's people out there blaming Dylan Gabriel. I just, you know, is Dylan Gabriel a great quarterback? I don't think he's a great quarterback. I think he is a 
really good college quarterback. Ollie Gordon, the real deal, though. I have him right now second behind Marvin Harrison for the Heisman right now. And again, the way I look at it is how important you are to that team. And, and, and I know Michael Penix, what he's doing is phenomenal. But if Ollie Gordon doesn't go talk to Mike Gundy and say, hey, I want the ball more, Oklahoma State's not where they are. The same with Marvin Harrison, right? Gordon carried the ball 33 times, 137 yards, two touchdowns, including the touchdown that gave Oklahoma State the lead for good. Same spot. Fourth penalty on this drive by OU. Gordon ends up. Oklahoma State leads it. Now, Oklahoma did a good job, though, really. I mean, he had 137 yards, but compared to what he had been doing, not so much. They stopped him on a couple fourth down plays late in the game. Again, the offense could do nothing with a chance to put the game away. And the Cowboys came in again, with, like I said, with that great game plan for Alan Bowman. He had himself a day. The former Texas Tech quarterback, the former Michigan quarterback, 334 yards, but added a rushing touchdown. The receiving core for Oklahoma State, which a lot of people are like, oh, no, they're not that big a deal. Rashad Owens couldn't be stopped. You knew it was coming to him, and they weren't stopped, and they, and they kept playing off. And I just, you know, you've got to understand what they're doing and take away the inside, push them towards the boundary. But they took no inside position and just let them do what they want, slants and outs. I just, it was terrible for me. Rashad Owens, Brennan Pet Presley, 18 receptions, 233 yards. Now, Gavin Salchuk, man, it, it was great to see. He had a great first half, long touchdown run, showed the speed. Tawi Walker comes in the second, scores on his first touch to make it 21-17. Ollie Gordon makes a big mistake on a trick play, throwing it down the field when he didn't have to. Billy Bowman picked off the pass, raced to the 44, and then it stalled, again, because of just stupid, uh, stupid play calls. Right. Gordon scored from the one yard out to make, you know, to make up for that mistake. And then on the very first play, the Sooners next possession, a bad snap mishandled. OSU recovers. Now, the defense did a good job, held to a field goal. But to me, this is this is on the coaches. And now you have to think about if you're an Oklahoma fan. In two years, Oklahoma has lost to every Big 12 team. Think about that. Every. Big 12 team. Except Iowa State in two years. And, you know, Brent, there's only going to be so many times you're saying, well, I've got to be better. I've got to, you've got to be better. I just, I don't know. Here's the thing I'm worried about with Jeff Levy. If they run him out of town, does Jackson Arnold go with him? I, I don't know. But Lebby's last call was absolutely atrocious. And people can harp on Drake Stoops all they want. He should have run the route to the sticks. Why was he put in a position to run a flood route to the boundary in that game? I just I don't get it. But here's the final play in Bedlam. On fourth down, Gabriel on the run, throwing. Stoops juggled it, caught it, but he's short. Oklahoma State's going to take over the downs and a minute away from winning. The final battle. And, but again, it shows what the Oklahoma brand is. And I don't mean this to come out as snobbish. That's two weeks in a row that fans have stormed the field and tore the goalpost down. 
That's where the program sits in the Big 12 against teams like Kansas, against teams like Oklahoma State. Good luck to you guys. You know, I, I, and I'm never one to say the referees, but the referees were absolutely horrendous in this game. And especially the one call in the end zone, Drake Stoops being absolutely tackled, but nothing is called. Drake almost comes up with the catch anyway, but it's a blatant pass interference, a blatant pass interference. And it's not called. And I don't want to get into conspiracy theories. And if people are saying, you know, they're going to try to screw Texas and screw Oklahoma on the way out of the Big 12, that's fine. Just don't make it so obvious. You know, and I love Oklahoma State fans that are, you know, well, bye. We don't have to, you know, see you later. Bro, if it wasn't for Utah and Colorado, you would be in a group of five conference. Okay. Have fun with Utah. You're going to smack. And when Dion starts to get some horses up front, they're going to smack you too. I just, I think it's funny. And of course, they're all, you know, you didn't go to school here, so we get to cheer. Shut up. The players, hey, you guys did great game plan. Great game plan. They executed, they made fewer mistakes, but Oklahoma needs to figure something out. Next up for them, they play West Virginia, six o'clock. You know, Oklahoma State on that roll since they were written off. They lost back to back to South Alabama. They lost to Iowa State. And everybody was writing Oklahoma State off, talking about Gundy leaving. Now, is he Big 12 Coach of the Year right now? The opponent Kansas might have something to say with that, but Oklahoma State wins the final bedlam. They're like, oh, have fun in the SEC. Cool. I'd rather play Vanderbilt every year than play you. Just saying. The evening games were something I was looking forward to. Number five, Washington. Number 20, USC. It was high octane like I thought it was going to be. You know, last year's Heisman against what some think is the front runner for this year. But it was running back Dylan Johnson that left his mark at the Coliseum, right? Johnson rushed for 256 yards and four touchdowns. To the line. Johnson. Touchdown number four. Touchdown number four. The Huskies win 52-42 over the Trojans, right? Michael Pinnock solid again, keeping the Huskies undefeated. undefeated. Pinnock threw for 256 yards, two touchdowns. One interception. Caleb Williams, you know, and I'll dig in deeper into what happened after the game when I finish my thoughts on the game. All right. Caleb throws for 300 yards again, three touchdowns. But in the end, the offensive line breaks down. And the defense was, well, it's an Alex Grinch defense. Here's the crazy thing about, you know, Dylan Johnson's game. The Mississippi State transfer had never rushed for 100 yards in his career. This night, he exploded. Huge holes, running through weak tackles. Once again, Lincoln Riley focused on offense, and the defense let him down. Now, he's been through three defensive coordinators because they fired Alex Grinch on Sunday. Mike Stoops, Ruffin McNeil, Alex Grinch. And he's wasted the talents of guys like Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts when he got to Oklahoma, and now Caleb Williams. And I would use this to recruit against Lincoln as much as I could. Now, my thoughts on Caleb... I hated seeing what everyone is making fun of after the game. Here's a young man, and I and I totally get why he left Oklahoma. I have no ill will towards Caleb Williams. I mean, hell, Caleb gave me one of the greatest memories in the Red River rivalry with that comeback when he stepped in for Spencer Rattler. But let's think about what he said last year at the Heisman ceremony when he was sitting there with Stetson Bennett, Max Duggan, C.J. Stroud, all quarterbacks 
all quarterbacks making it to the playoffs, right? And he said something to the effect of, I'm jealous you guys get to play in the playoffs. Now, Caleb Williams is a competitor. Sometimes it gets the best of him, but he fought his guts out to get to the point where he could go to any university to play. And I will always be grateful for that Texas game. Always. And I hate it for him that people, you know, he went to his mom and he, and he sobbed. He's upset. He's a competitor. And those who haven't played and have given their all, you don't understand. And again, they're going to poke fun at him. There's some things he could do differently, I think, maturity-wise, the painting the nails, you know, how he talks to, you know, about some people. But here's a young man that said he just wanted to go home and play with his dog. He just want to go and play with his dog. Because he knows that. And I'll say this. I won't be surprised if you hear that he's done playing this year. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, there's a lot of talk of Oklahoma and USC meeting in the Alamo Bowl, which I would love to see. I would love to see. But I would wager everything I own that Caleb Williams does not play in that game. I'd be surprised if you see him the rest of the year. And the thing that I think, and Caleb has a lot of talent, and I mentioned it a couple episodes ago. I think there's too much street football in him. The, imp the improvisation, which is a great asset. But when it comes to learning when to just eat it and fight for another day, I don't think he has it yet. I don't know if he can really read defenses that good. He makes he, he does a lot of things offensively that are phenomenal. I don't know if he's that good of a quarterback, knowing how to play quarterback. He, he, he can play football. That's what I'll say. But again, Riley's focus on offense, maybe overruled you know, Alex Grinch. I, I don't know, because here's the thing I don't know about Alex Grinch. I'm trying to figure out where he fell off, because he was able to make a good defense in a bad place at like Pullman, Washington, with Washington State. And you would think being at places like OU or USC would help you know, get recruits in. But obviously, Riley focused on offense, overruled him in recruiting, probably focused on getting top offensive talent. And in the end, I think I'm going to use that against USC from now on. Next up for Washington, they host that always tough Utah team. And for USC, it doesn't get any easier. They're going to face one of the hottest teams in the country as they head to Austin Stadium to take on the Oregon Ducks. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, it's not going to get any easier for them. Now, the final game, the one I had as my number one game of interest for the weekend, saw number 14 LSU head to Titletown to take on the Crimson Tide of Alabama. Now, the number eight Tide pulled away and won the game 42-28. to The first half was a spectacular showing of dual-threat quarterback. All right? Jaden Daniels, Jalen Milrow leading their team up and down the field. And like I said in my preview, the days of 9-6, to Alabama-LSU are gone. It's 21-21 at the half. Both quarterbacks looked unstoppable. Milrow was efficient throwing the ball, 219 yards, but he killed LSU on the ground with 155 yards and four touchdowns. Second down and five. Alabama could get a first down at the six-yard line. And it's Jalen Milrow. Pump fakes. Jalen Milrow. Touchdown, Alabama. Again, four for number four. Four touchdowns for Jalen Milrow. Look, he was the leading rusher. Jason McClellan, Roy Day Williams added a spark as well, combining for 119 yards on the day, both adding a touchdown. And Milrow was good in the passing. He found eight different receivers. And for me, watching him, he's feeling more comfortable in his progression. 
He's not just looking for Bond or Burton. And and the passing is starting to catch up with his running ability. And I'm going to hate to tell America because everyone, you know, they hate Alabama. They're not going anywhere. All of their goals are still ahead of them. Win the SEC West. Win the SEC. Make the playoffs. I mean, they're all they're all ahead of them. You know? On the other side, Jane Daniels was having a monster night of his own. 219 yards through the air with two touchdowns, adding 163 yards on the ground and a touchdown before he was knocked out of the game by Dallas Turner. Now, there's some people say, you know, it, it could have changed the game. Maybe. But we also have to remember it was 48-24 at that time. That's what the score ended up. And it was in the fourth quarter. But I'll say this. I, I love what Dallas Turner, how he, how he plays. Dallas was target, was flagged for roughing the passer. But he wasn't flagged for targeting, which means not going to have to miss the next first half against Kentucky. And I don't think it was a dirty hit. I think he's just so fast the way he hit. I mean, it was a bad play. You could tell my wife said as soon as Jaden Daniels hit the ground, she's like, he's got a concussion. Wasn't allowed to come in. Nussmeyer comes in. Nothing more. But America, be ready. Alabama's hitting their stride now. You got to think they're rolling since that week two loss. And everything is still ahead of him. Malik Neighbors, hey, played a hell of a game. 10 catches, 171 yards, one touchdown. Bama's rolling. Bama's absolutely rolling. You guys better get ready. Because if it comes out to be Alabama-Georgia, the way Alabama's playing right now, I, I'd probably take Alabama. Just, I, I just, I would. We'll see. Now we're going to look at my results. I'll give him a six or six picks from last weekend. My underdog was an absolute stinker. Maryland played as bad as their yellow jerseys look. Penn State throttles in 51-15. Ouch. Not good. But overall, I had a good weekend. I took Washington minus the three over USC. Boom. Nailed it. I had Kansas State plus three and a half. Made it by half a point. Nailed it. Had Mizzou getting 15 and a half points against Georgia. Nailed it. I had Bama minus three against LSU. Nailed it. The only game I lost picking against the spread was the damn Sooners to Oklahoma State. But for the week I was four and two, I'll take it. I'll take it. But man, Oklahoma. And I refrain from making comments online and getting into the back and forth, the keyboard tough guy stuff. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. There's a lot of stupid comments that I wanted to reply to. But discretion is the better part of valor. So I chose not to. Chose not to. But now we're going to take a tour, thanks to the stadiumreviews.com, to an NBA stadium near you. NBA season's underway. And, of course, a team I used to cover. The Oklahoma City Thunder changed the name now. It's Paycom Center, right? The Paycom Center. It's not Chesapeake Energy Arena. But the Paycom Center where the Thunder play, one of the best young teams out there. I can't wait to see what this season brings for the Thunder. But for all my fans out in Oklahoma, you're going to the brand new Paycom Center. You're looking for Schwab's, New York hot dogs, peanut soda water, footlong thunder dogs, and more. Full court press. I've been there. 
great Philly cheesesteak sandwiches, gyros, grilled cheese. I love full court press. Pizza Hut, that's good stuff, right? I like Pizza Hut. Fast break, where you got your, it's your normal, your normal stadium fare. Nachos, candy, chili dogs, hot dogs, all that kind of stuff. Taco Camion, nachos, tacos, water, uh, good stuff. Wing it. Fans looking for bone and bone. All right, I'm going to I'm going to die on this hill. They're not boneless wings. You're eating freaking nuggets, okay? It's not a boneless wing, it's a nugget of meat. You are not eating boneless wings. You are eating a nugget. Be a damn adult and just call it a nugget. If you like that's fine. Like nuggets. But it's not a boneless wing. It's a nugget. But at wing it, you can get bone in or nuggets. Over in section 111, Loud City. That's what they call it. serving up classic meals. Again, the hot dog, cheeseburgers, hamburgers, cotton candy, pretzels. Coop Craft Beer Cart. Yeah, serving up many different flavors of the Coop Craft Beer. Corona Cart. Fans looking to enjoy some Corona. Portable beer carts all over. There's a reason it's called Loud City. It is. Some of the new gourmet-style food that you could get at the Paycom Center. It's called the Chopping Block. Barbecue nachos. Barbecue hot dogs. I love barbecue nachos. Good pulled pork nachos. Oh, Mazios. Mazios is a thing out there. And I'm to me, Mazios is just mid. It's not real good. I'm not a big fan of Mazios. Alley Coop has popcorn chicken, chicken tenders, onion rings, wing baskets, more. On the Rocks cocktails. I've stopped by there a few times. Signature cocktails, high noon wine. Hops and hoops. Or hoops and hops, I should say. IPA drinks. If you're, if you're one of those artisanal beer guys that like a really hoppy IPA. Budweiser Brew House. Classic style pub food. Old number seven club. It's just some Jack Daniels there. Which I'm a Tennessee Squire. I actually own some property there at Jack Daniels Distillery. Slam Burger. Signature classic burgers along with the Impossible Burger. Keep that crap away from me. Fries, onion rings, soda. Good stuff out there at Slam Burger. Some of the desserts, the candy court, ice cream carts, dipping dots. Ice cream of the future. The place to go to is Top of Waffle. Serving up warm waffles. With tons of toppings out in section 108. Popcorn cart. Yeah, different. I'm not a big kettle corn fan. I know there's some people that really like kettle corn. I'm I'm not one of them. Give me my salty, buttery, you know, and I'll take some stuff when I make popcorn. I'll sprinkle some Parmesan cheese and some garlic powder. That's what I like. That that's what I like. I'm not a big kettle corn fan. Now, what's crazy, I'll say this. The cheese and caramel corn combination. I love it. I don't know why, but I love it. It's good stuff out there. Guys, I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to another delicious episode of Sports Bites, where we dished out the perfect blend of sports and food. I hope you savored the flavor of our discussions and found them as satisfying as your team winning on the field. If you're hungry for more, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Spread the word, too. All right? Stay connected with us on social media. Go to YouTube if you want to see some of the videos of interviews I've done. Look at Sports Bites Podcast. That's how you can find that page. But stay connected on social media for the latest updates, mouthwatering recipes, and sports insights that hit the spot. Until next time, 
Remember to keep your appetite for sports and food alive. May your game day snacks always be on point. Good day, everyone. And remember to always positively move forward.